Chapter Twenty Five of Heart Talks on Holiness. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Heart Talks on Holiness by Samuel Logan Bringo. How to prepare for the meeting. A long time ago, Saint Luke tells us when Jesus was a boy of twelve. He went with his parents and neighbors up to Jerusalem to the feast of the Passover. On the return of the company, the child Jesus tarried behind in Jerusalem, and Joseph and his mother knew not of it. But they, supposing him to have been in the company, went a day's journey, and they thought him among their kinsfolk and acquaintance, and found him not. Their mistake was taking it for granted that Jesus was in the company. Joseph knew he was not with him, and Mary knew he was not with her, and the kinsfolk and acquaintances knew he was not with them, and yet each took it for granted that he was in the company with someone else. But lo, when they thought him, they found him not; he was not there. Just so, frequently in meetings and conventions, the people all suppose Jesus is in the company, and yet there may not be one that is personally conscious of his presence. But they take it for granted that he is with someone else, and lo, he may not be in their midst at all. He has not been perseveringly, importunately, humbly, and believingly thought for and invited to come, and so he has stayed behind. I remember a number of years ago going to a camp meeting, hoping to find Jesus there in power. I got there two or three days after the opening, and I found, if I now remember rightly. That no one had been saved. There was no grip and power in the meetings. At the appointed hour for the meeting, the bell would ring, and the officers and soldiers who had been laughing and joking and singing songs and visiting with each other and making merry generally would come strolling into the meetings with smiles on their faces and "God bless yous" on their tongues, but with apparently no solemn consciousness of the holy presence of the crucified one in their midst. Then the meeting would begin with a rush and a bang, the songs and prayers and jokes and laughter and a collection and smart testimonies and a Bible reading would follow, and the meeting would end again without souls and everybody would go out good-naturedly, making a rush for the best seats at the dinner table and enjoy themselves beautifully until the next morning. Everyone seemed to take it for granted that Jesus was in the company, yet no one seemed to be specially conscious of his presence. At last, it was pointed out that the meeting were galloped through with, but no souls were saved, and it was suggested that perhaps Jesus was missing. A prayer meeting was called to look for Jesus, and some of the people present had to allow that Jesus was not with them. Then some of them went to their tents to look for Jesus, and some went to the woods and got down on their knees to look for him, and would not give up the search until at last, bless him, he was found. When he was told that he was expected and that he must come, and that we would not let him go except he blessed us, then he came, and there was a shout of a king in the camp, and he gave us a touch of his baptism, which is with the Holy Ghost and with fire. The officers, soldiers, and saints got awfully in earnest, and the poor sinners got awfully alarmed and convicted, so that they were no longer anxious about what they would have for dinner. 
and some seemed so anxious to talk with Jesus and get filled with His Spirit and His great thoughts, and to get Him to put the dynamite of the Holy Ghost into their testimonies and songs and prayers, that they lost their appetites and didn't care whether they had any dinner at all, if only they could be fed with bread from heaven. Oh, I tell you, it was wonderful the transformation that came over that camp around when Jesus got there. The shallow joy that caused men to smile and make an empty racket gave way before that deep joy of the Lord, which makes men weep and be serious, and fills their faces with the solar light of heaven, and makes their shout almost as terrible to the wicked as will be the trumpet peals and awful thunders of the judgment day. I tell you, the presence of Jesus and the power of the Holy Ghost on that campground did make the remaining days of the camp meetings into veritable judgment days for some folks. The news went abroad that Jesus was in the camp, and the people poured in from all the country round about, and mighty things were done in His name. Weak folks were made strong, timid folks became bold as lions, broken hearts were healed, sad folks were made into glad folks. The lame men leaped as a hare. The blind saw. The deaf heard. The dumb spoke. The hungry multitudes were fed. Spirits that were full of passion and like a storm-tossed sea became peaceful and calm, and dead souls were raised to life. Glory to God! I tell you, it was the presence of Jesus that saved that camp meeting from being recorded as a dismal failure. And instead, cause it to be remembered as a time of wondrous refreshing from the presence of the Lord. Now Jesus is ready and willing to go up to every camp meeting and convention and council and indoor and outdoor meeting all over the world, and to make his personal presence felt by every saint and soldier. But each one must seek him as Moses did. God had set Moses to the tremendous task of ruling a mob of a million ignorant Israelites, just rescued from centuries of land bondage, and leading them through a barren, mountainous wilderness. God had set Moses to the tremendous task of ruling a mob of a million ignorant Israelites, just rescued from centuries of hard bondage, and leading them through a barren, mountainous wilderness to the Promised Land. Where they would meet armed hosts, strongly entrenched in fortified cities, the burden was too heavy for Moses, and he cried out to God, "If Thy presence go not with me, carry us not up hence. For wherein shall it be known here that I and Thy people have found favor in Thy sight? Is it not in that Thou goest with us?" And the Lord said unto Moses, "I will do this thing also that Thou hast spoken." For thou hast found grace in my sight, and I know thee by name. My presence shall go with thee, and I will give thee rest. I don't wonder any longer that the mighty things Moses did. If God goes with a man and tells him what to do and how to do it, and gives him the wisdom and strength with which to do it, then there is nothing too hard for that man. God becomes a servant of that man as much as the man is the servant of God. They are co-workers. One man like that can chase a thousand, and if he find a fellow, then two shall put ten thousands to flight. Bless God! But Jesus is holy and humble, and he can't walk with any but humble, holy men. So, my brother, if you want him to go with you, you must humble yourself and be holy. 
Moses was the meekest of men. We read. Then too, if we want Jesus to go with us to the meeting, we must invite him home with us after the meeting. He will not come to the meeting and walk back with us to our door. If when we get there, we find it in our hearts to bid him good night and close the door in his face, and go in and scold the wife and children, and talk about our neighbors, and forget what manner of spirit we are of, our walk with him must be constant, not fitful. Else we will seek for him some day and not find him. Oh, that we may always make sure that he is with us, and not to take it for granted. Else we find we have been going on a fool's errand without him. Poor Joseph and Mary lost five days and had no one knows how much anxiety and heartache, all because they supposed Jesus was in the company, but did not make sure. But bless God, after diligent search, they found him. Is he with you now, my brother? If he is not, then get your Bible and go off alone and seek him. And if you wake up and seek him with all your heart, he will be found of you. How great is the power of testimony! How pitiful slow we are to talk of God and His dealings with us, and how much we lose by silence! What a chill comes over the soul when that horrid restraint holds us back from speaking of Christ in the ordinary daily contact with others! Is it not often a positive burden and condemnation that we are silent, silent about Him when we can speak of anything else? Silent when we feel that even the birds and beasts and trees and flowers, aye, and the very stones are praising him. What is the secret of that restraint? Brother Lawrence used to say that we do not talk of him because we fail to talk to him. Liberty when alone in his presence will set free our tongues as well as warm our hearts when we mingle with others. Talk to him about those things which are common in our lives, our work and our worries. Our little hourly cares, as well as the greater problems, and we shall be able to talk and talk to some purpose of His power and greatness and love. The General, in Book Stab Plus. End of Chapter Twenty Five.